Jason, let me know when we're ready to go. Now it's live. Great. Chair G. Thank you, Muted. Here we go. Here we go. <clears throat> Good morning. I'd like to call the TJPA Board of Directors meeting of July 14th, 2022 to order. I'm Jeff G, the board chair. This board meeting is being conducted pursuant to provisions of the Brown Act and in compliance with the California State Assembly Bill AB 361 to facilitate teleconferencing to reduce the risk of COVID-19 transmission at public meetings. Ordinarily, the Brown Act sets strict rules for teleconferencing. AB 361 has suspended those rules. This meeting is being held during a proclaimed state of emergency and state and local officials have imposed or recommended measures to promote social distancing. As noted on the agenda, members of the public may observe this teleconference meeting via SFGov TV, and they may offer public comment by calling the published public comment phone number. I'd like to welcome the members of the public and staff who are watching us live on SFGov TV, and I'd like to thank the SFGov TV staff for their continued support and services. Madam Secretary, could you please call the roll? Thank you, Chair G. Um, I'll go ahead and note we've had a, a little bit of technical difficulties this morning. So, uh, um, you know, the, uh, Director Ambul, who would be uh, sitting in for Director El Tawansi, uh, is uh, trying to get in. And it looks like I think Boris made, Director Lipkin made his way in. I think I, I, think I saw him, but, but I think he's gone now. Um, all right, we'll go ahead and, and get through a roll call with what we can. And we know that folks are still trying to get in uh, with that, Director Forbes. Present. Forbes present. Director John Baptiste. Present. Director uh, Lipkin is uh, trying to join. If he is not here, I, I don't see him here yet. Or I saw him here and I know he lost connections. He'll be back. Director Shaw. Here. Shaw present. Uh, Director Tumlin. Present. Tumlin present. Uh, Vice Chair Mandelman. Present. Mandelman present. And Chair G. Here. Chair G, uh, present as well. You uh, do have enough reform, and the rest of your uh, team uh, members will be joining you uh, just as soon as they can get through the uh, technical difficulties. Um, we'll go ahead and jump into the next item. Item three is communications. And uh, directors, uh, we'd like to remind the public that the public comment process is listed on the agenda and streaming on the screen. Um, moderator. Um, just want to make sure that that is streaming on the screen. Um, and um, I'm not aware of any communications other than uh, notifying the public. I don't know if any of the other board members have communications. I do see that uh, Director Lipkin is, uh, does have a box. Uh, I don't know if his audio is um, working. Maybe we could, I'm guessing that's, a, that's probably a no. But he's, he's, he's with us there. Um, if there are nothing, no other items under that, we'll go ahead and move into the next item. Item four is uh, Board of Directors New and or Old Business. And uh, directors, I'm not aware of any. Uh, any of the directors uh, have any and their audios giving you glitches, feel free to raise a hand or just unmute yourselves. I I'm sure that the chair will be able to uh, figure out how to get this 
I'll get us through these technical issues. Not seeing any hands raised, Neela, so let's keep going. All right, go ahead and move into item five, which is the uh, executive director's report. Uh, good morning, directors. Uh, Adam Van Water, your executive director. I'm energized this morning by attendance at one of my favorite events of the year last night, Spurs Good Government Awards, uh, led by our own director, John Baptiste. This year's awards recognize the dozens of city staff who went above and beyond to lead the city through the many challenges of the COVID-19 pandemic. And it's always heartwarming to celebrate the hardworking and often unrecognized. And it was a wonderful opportunity to reconnect with some of my old colleagues at the City Hall. Here at the center, uh, we continue to monitor the impacts of COVID-19 and welcome the steady increase in attendance at our park public offerings. As you'll hear later in our facilities report, at the end of June, we're happy to welcome Venga Empanadas to the center, which I believe is the first new restaurant to open in the center since the onset of the pandemic. So an exciting new addition to the ground floor retail. Um, we've been continuing to coordinate with our partners at the MTC, MTA, and AC Transit on wayfinding here at the center. Earlier this month, on July 1st, we submitted a request for about $600,000 in additional funds for our digital wayfinding efforts uh, to the County Transportation Agency from their Prop AA funding. Um, our overall efforts will plug into the MTC's wayfinding regional process. Last week, the MTC approved a $6 million contract to develop a single mapping and wayfinding system for use by all Bay Area transit agencies, and we plan to plug into that process as it gets underway. We are making progress in the recruitment of three TJPA open positions, uh, our facilities director, our accounting director, and an assistant board secretary. Uh, and we look forward to introducing them all to you at the next board meeting. We continue to advance the downtown rail extension project and the integrated broad, uh, program management teams working hard to meet the technical tasks to be completed for the next big milestone with the FTA, Federal Transit Administration, in February of next year, 2023. Our DTX project director, Alfonso Rodriguez, will provide a look ahead of the many DTX components that will be coming to this board after our ESC chair update in anticipation of that February 2023 milestone. Later in today's calendar, items 11 through 14, we'll consider a proposed project delivery method for DTX, as well as a letter of agreement with Caltrain to reimburse them for their costs of advancing the project, as well as an interagency cooperative agreement with the city and county to engage the many city departments we need to review utility relocation plans, issue permits, or provide input on uh, the various impacted city infrastructure. On the federal side, we're continuing to track federal funding program opportunities under the bipartisan infrastructure law in order to meet our $1.5 billion matching fund requirement by next August of 2023, when we plan to submit our request for a full funding grant agreement to the FTA. We're working with our Bay Area partners along the corridor to develop a joint benefit application for the federal state partnership for intercity rail grant program. Uh, the notice of funding opportunity for which will be uh, issued likely in October, November, uh, later this fall. At the state level, the California State Transportation Agency published the awardees list for $800 million in transit and intercity rail capital program funding, what we call TERSIP, uh, which did not in this cycle include the Trans-Bay Joint Powers Authority. As you recall, we applied for $600 million over multiple years to help us meet our uh, February and August goals I just mentioned next year. Um, we're hopeful for an augmented cycle soon, and we've heard that that could come before the end of this year with award amount, amounts early next year. At the end of last month, the state legislature approved and the governor signed the 2022-2023 state budget. 
and the transportation budget trailer bill included additional funds for TERSIP over the next two fiscal years, as well as approved $4.2 billion in Prop 1A funds to the High-Speed Rail Authority, which will help them advance the Central Valley operating segment. As you heard in our last board meeting, the authority released the final EIR EIS for phase one of high-speed rail from SF to San Jose uh, project section last month. And the authority's board will consider it at their August 17th and 18th meeting, which will occur here in the Bay Area, and which we hope to combine their visit with a tour of the train transit center and train box for authority members. The regional level, we've been working with the Metropolitan Transportation Commission as they develop what's called the Major Project Advancement Policy, or MAP. This will update the 2001 prioritization of major projects in the area in what was called Resolution 3434, uh, which did include DTX. Uh, the MAP will be considered by the MTC Commission in September, and then will guide MTC's endorsement of Bay Area transportation projects for the next several years to come. The five mega projects listed in tier one of Plan Bay Area 2050 uh, included DTX uh, and the MTC re released the, their list of endorsed projects and funding matrix at the programming and allocations committee meeting yesterday. The five mega projects are split up by three levels. Level one includes Caltrain electrification, the completion of that project now underway, BART core capacity also uh, underway, and BART to Silicon Valley phase two, which is in the expedited project delivery phase of the FTA, all of which um, uh, meet the MTC's criterion of 50% of funds committed or have a full funding grant agreement um, or in the expedited project delivery pilot program with the FTA. DTX was listed as a level two project. However, at yesterday's part, uh, program and allocations committee meeting, we asked MTC to move DTX to level one or a category such as level 1B, where we could continue to pursue our competitive grant programs. We had 41 public commentators, uh, including myself, as well as community members from the East Cut and nearby SF neighborhoods, along with transit advocates, labor partners, and others asking the MTC to uh, move DTX into Phase one, this is um, reflecting a, a number of differences between DTX and other projects in that category, including the fact that DTX has received all environmental clearances, is in the Capital Investment Grants New Starts pipeline, uh, is nearing completion of many of the governing documents, including the project delivery method later on today's calendar, is in an advanced state of readiness with advanced utility re relocation scheduled to begin as soon as next year and general civil construction activities scheduled to begin in 2025, has completed or secured funding for an estimated 42% of all Transbay program construction costs. This of course includes the completion of the Salesforce Transit Center, uh, as well as other committed costs um, we have dedicated to phase two, the DTX. And we're in a critical moment to secure remaining local match funding to unlock up to half of the project's costs from the FTA when we expect to apply for a full funding grant agreement next August, 2023. Finally on DTX, we're underway with the rebranding of the name DTX to better reflect the project's importance to the Bay Area's regional transportation network. Uh, we are working our way through uh, some stakeholder meetings now and we'll share the details of the new name and tagline and corresponding marks with you at the next board meeting. Finally, we'll be seeking your approval of a couple of items today, including the DBE participation level, uh, disability, uh, disabled business enterprise participation level, and an agency small business enterprise goal. 
uh, which our budget procurement manager, Oscar Quintanilla, will speak to in item nine, as well as a disabled advocate um, to fill a seat left open in February by the unexpected passing of member Bob Planthold on our Citizens Advisory Committee. Uh, Lily Magis will present this in item 10. Uh, a copy of the project labor agreement status report is included in your packet, and we continue to thank our labor partners for their continued support um, of DTX. Finally, there are no uh, current items planned for the August meeting of the board, so we are proposing to recess the TJPA board in August, and Secretary Gonzalez will send out an official notice in the coming days um, of that uh, cancellation. Directors, this concludes my report, and I'd be happy to answer any questions you may have before I ask Rich Piet from our asset manager, Lincoln Property, to present the facility operations update. Adam, thank you for your report. Directors, any questions for our executive director? I'm not seeing any hands raised, but please jump in if you have any questions. Adam, I have a quick question. Is there anything that the board can do to help with the MTC advocacy? Uh, thank you, Chair. It's an excellent question. Um, yesterday's meeting at the Program and Allocations Committee was an informational item where the MTC proposed the framework and was open to committee and public comment. Uh, they received, as I mentioned, extensive public comment uh, requesting DTX be prioritized above its level two uh, fellow projects. Uh, I would welcome the, the board's support and participation as we approach a September action item at committee and then at the full commission to underscore the need um, for DTX to be included in level one. Um, our primary concern, as I mentioned, is that we have the regional support to apply for some of these matching funds, and those include, as I mentioned, TERSIP at the state level, the federal state partnership for inner city rail at the federal level, um, and any other source that can help us meet that $1.5 billion matching requirement by August of next year so we can stay on schedule with the FTA. And what I'd like to do is maybe we can work together with Lily and, and help put together a strategy that the board members can help with the advocacy with individual commissioners as well as the full MTC board for September. I would welcome that. Very good. Other questions or comments from directors? If not, let's talk about facilities. Rich. Thank you, Adam, and uh, good morning, everyone. We've got our slide deck up, and uh, Jason, we'll take the next slide when you're ready. Thank you. We continue to benefit from creative ideas that our partners and others bring us to recent examples. This past Sunday, we had a circus uh, two shows in the amphitheater with almost 400 people in attendance. Uh, next slide. Also in the amphitheater uh, last month, uh, we had a musical event uh, led by uh, guitarist Michael Franti with over 650 attendees. This was unique because it was sponsored by um, Show Group, which uh, is our high-end Japanese restaurant. They will be opening uh, next year. And this was a great opportunity for them to get their name out there and uh, work on uh, menu items. Um, on a side note, we're about to pause private events for a limited time um, as we work on coordinating the um, uh, bare bottle container units uh, installation. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, 
Uh, BRV continues to give us uh, good opportunities for the public to interact in the park, um, and that will continue on. Next slide, please. With uh, various agency input, uh, we did a slight uh, expansion of wayfinding. We added three new uh, signage kiosks on mission uh, to pinpoint uh, Salesforce Transit Center, nearby landmarks, and other transit-related items. And if you go to the next slide, you'll see three good-looking signs. So uh, those kiosks look good. Thanks, Jason. Can we go to the next slide? Uh, transit ridership. So uh, bridge traffic is about 90% of pre-pandemic levels. Mass transit, on the other hand, is still in the upper 30s. Um, I would say I do take uh, AC transit, um, and at least my line, every week I feel like I see more, more traffic on that. And our next slide, please. We'll talk about leasing, thanks. Uh, we get to the map. You guys have all seen this before. Colors are starting to change. I will say our leasing brokers is Colliers and they're actively working on marketing the final um, uh, few vacant spaces. And if you remember last month at our board meeting, we had just had the Kaiser opening. And as on um, the next slide, as Adam mentioned, um, we had our first restaurant opened in the end of June. Uh, that was Venga Empanadas. Uh, they, um, this is their second San Francisco establishment. Um, the owners have been um, satisfied with their foot traffic and their, their food is delicious. So I uh, encourage everybody to come try them out. Uh, next slide, please. Still, now that's on Minna and continuing on Minna, we've got progress on a few other restaurants. Tycoon Kitchen is our Thai food. They had already installed their hood. Now they've got more equipment and um, we're, we're targeting for an opening of next month. And on our next slide, also on Minna, uh, Per Diem is the American uh, Bar and Grill. They've painted their ceiling. Um, and just yesterday, I, I couldn't get it in in time, but they've added a bunch of um, details uh, and um, features, which, will, which are looking great. Charlie's is Philly's cheesesteak, and they just recently uh, installed their customer counter space. Both of these also on Minna and they will open after Labor Day. And our next slide. And we actually get to talk about Natoma. For the first time, we have uh, something uh, working on Natoma. Aquilina is our Italian restaurant down closer towards 2nd Street, and they've just started framing and adding other um, key components. And um, this concludes my uh, presentation. I appreciate, we appreciate everybody's support in getting where we're at and happy to answer any questions. Rich, thank you very much for your report. Directors, any questions? I think we can stop by and have empanadas now. So that's a good thing. <laughs> so that's good. Very good. Um, not seeing any hands raised or anything. So um, in the um, PLA quarterly reports in our packet. So I think that concludes our executive director's report. So Mila, are there any public comments on the reports? Let's go ahead and take a look to see if there are any members of the public while Jason is uh, screening the uh, folks there, that, that section. Just go ahead and uh, note that we got through the technical issues. Director Lipkin can see him, we can hear him, and uh, Director uh, Ambul also. Um, so they've joined us. Jason, do we have any members of the public? No, we do not. There you go. Okay, we'll continue. All right, item six is um, uh, the CAC update and uh, directors, we have CAC chair, Brian Larkin. 
uh, will uh, who will address you on this item. And I know um, just a moment ago, um, I see his box there. Brian, are you still connected? Hi, Brian. He's having some issues, but I think he's also dialed in, Neela. So I'm going to go ahead and unmute him on his phone number, which I believe is the 415810. Here we go. Hi, can you hear me? Yes, Brian, go ahead, please. Oh, oh, excellent. Okay. I'm sorry for the technical difficulties. It's, I had some Tuesday too, so that it seems to be going around kind of like a COVID thing. Anyway, I'm Brian Larkin, chair of the TJPCAC, and today I'm reporting, issuing the most current in a series of monthly reports on the CAC meeting of this last Tuesday, the 12th. Our agenda included Staff report, approval of the CAC special meeting meetings of the June 7th meeting, facility operations update, downtown rail extension work plans, work plan schedule update, and downtown rail extension project delivery alternative study update. Lily Madras Wu provided the staff support on their activities for the last five weeks and included updates on fundings for the DTX project and wayfinding improvements, which you've just heard about. $600 million. Both, both of these items generated comments and questions from committee members. Howard Wong and Anthony Nishore commented on wayfinding. Howard said that he still finds difficulty at the terminal itself and imagines more difficult for first time users. Anthony asked for clarification on what the new wayfind fundings would, would be used for and that he hopes that there will be consistent they will be consistent. They will be consistent with the wayfinding signage that MTA and other agencies use. I'll talk more about the comments on the DTX study as I get further down into the report. The facility update was the last we will receive before the appointment of a new director of facilities. I think you're going to hear that probably in September. The staff report resulted in more committee comments on problems with wayfinding from Howard Wong and Anthony. Sure, and, and and these were echoed by Gloria Lee. Andrew Robinson asked when Bear Bottle would open, and the answer is August. And the delays delays in its its and other openings are supply chain related. Stop me if you've heard that as an explanation before. Um, Alfonso Rodriguez gave the DTX work plan update, including details on funding application process. One item, and again, you just heard about this, was that the MTC did not approve, get listed in its level one recommendations of projects. Um, we're looking at level two, they're trying to get into, we're trying to get into level one B. Howard Wong made the point that substantial work has been done on DTX, including the train box and the transit center itself, where other competing projects that got rated higher don't have that, you know, they, they don't have what I call the credibility that ours has since we're so far along and we spent so much money and delivered a large portion of the project. Um, during public comment, Roland LeBron said that the, the PMOC, the Project Man Management Oversight Consultant for one of the South Bay Transit projects recommended a large increase in its cost estimate and that DTX should be prepared for such a recommendation. This, this was public comment from Roland LeBron and I, the PMOC is something that we're about to get started with. It's part of the FDA process and it's one that we better get 
well, we will be acclimated to and responsive to as we progress. Anyway, Alfonso Rodriguez gave the DTX project delivery alternative study update, including a review of the major project components. He then gave us a comprehensive description replete with acronyms of the project delivery methods they are considering for each component. One of the project components was called enabling work and it included utility relocation and site preparation. I said that this, that isolating this work in an early separate contract was a good idea in that utility relocation in particular has a large potential for construction delays. Um, rather than having such problems cause costly delays to subsequent more expensive components of the, of the program, getting them done in a separate contract mitigates the potential for these damages. Howard Wong is concerned that design build project delivery method requirement to award the contract to low bidder risk having an award to a contractor who the agency knows is one that tries to get well on extras and change orders. Alfonso replied that using the C construction manager as general contractor helps avoid that by early selection of the CM before much of the subcontracting work is bid. And that's the large part of the cost. Anyway, I scribbled about five pages of notes during the course of the meeting. And as I went back to put together this report, I found I could barely read them. So some of the comments, both from Roland LeBron and from the committee members, I, I couldn't understand what, what my notes said, so I can't report on them now. So I apologize to you and I apologize to those, those members where I maybe didn't give as much time in this report as they deserved. I'll do better next time. But that's it for now. Brian, thank you very much for your report and for the CAC um, committee for all their hard work. Directors, any questions? Not seeing any, uh, any public comment, no? I'm not seeing any, Jason. Uh, moderator, do you, do you see any that I'm not seeing? There are not any. Thank you, Neil. Brian, thank you for your report. Appreciate it very much. My pleasure. Okay. See you soon. All right. Our next item, Chair. Please. Item seven is an opportunity for members of the public to address you on items or matters that are not on today's calendar. And I've not received any indication or see any members that wish to do so, but I will give a moment or so now that we've just called the item and wait for the moderator to confirm that there are no members of the public wanting to address you under this item. All right, I think that was about 15, 20 seconds. And I know that there is a slight delay between our streaming and, and when it goes uh, live on SFGov. So that's why I wanted to give a few extra seconds. Jason, Eric, confirmed, right? No, no one there? No one looking to comment on item seven? Correct. Great, thanks. All right, we'll go ahead and move into your next item. Please. All right, uh, directors, your next item on the, is the uh, consent calendar where all matters listed are considered to be routine and will be acted upon by a single vote. There will be no separate discussion of the items unless a member of the board or the public so requests in which event the uh, matter would be removed from the consent calendar and considered separately. 
I've not received any indication that a member of the board of the public wishes to have any items considered separately. We'll go ahead and uh, give a few moments uh, to make sure that that is uh, that that remains and there are uh, no board members and um, Jason confirming there are no public members, correct? That is correct. All right. Uh, your items are 8.1, approving the minutes of the June 9th, 2022 meeting. Uh, item 8.2, approving the continued use of teleconferencing technologies for meetings of the legislative bodies of the TJPA pursuant to the provisions of Assembly Bill 361. And item 8.3, authorizing the executive director to execute second amendments to the lease agreements with Phil's Coffee for commercial retail space on the first floor of the transit center, consistent with the previously adopted retail commercial leasing strategy to address COVID-19 impacts and tendencies. Director Setzer, consent calendar. Great, so first by Saw. Is there a second? Second Tumlin. Second With that, uh, Director Forbes. Aye. Forbes, aye. Director John Baptiste. Aye. John Baptiste, aye. Director Lipkin. Aye. Lipkin, aye. Director Shaw. Aye. Shaw, aye. Director Tumlin. Aye. Tumlin, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman. Do we lose Vice Chair Mandelman? Vice Chair Mandelman, aye. Did you see your box? But uh, yeah. you. Well, Vice Chair Mandelman. Well, Mark Kim is absent. I, I think he might have a, a sidebar meeting that he wasn't expecting. And Chair G. Yes. Chair G. All right. With that, uh, the uh, consent calendar is approved. Uh, shall we go ahead and, and move into uh, your regular calendar? Please. Yes. All right. Item nine uh, on your regular calendar directors is approving the anticipated uh, business enterprise participation level for federal fiscal years 2022 through 2023. Um, and that is through 2024 to 25. And an agency small business enterprise goal of 20.5%. And Oscar Quintanilla, Budget and Procurement Director, will present the item. Good morning, Directors. Oscar Quintanilla, Budget and Procurement Director. I don't have slides for you today, so I'll just provide brief remarks. The item before you this morning is the final approval of our anticipated DBE participation level. After board approval, we would submit this to the FTA for their review and concurrence. There have been no changes to what was presented to you last month. We did receive one comment during public comment period asking why there was no requirement for disabled veteran business enterprise participation in line with California state policy. And as we described in the June 9 staff report, the TJPA maintains a race-neutral DBE program that does, not, that does not set required participation targets following recommendations from the federal guidelines. Uh, this concludes my remarks, and I'd be happy to answer any questions. Thank you. Oscar, thank you. Directors, any questions? Not seeing any hands raised. Um, Neil, any comments from the public?
You're not seeing anybody. Could you confirm for me? I'm thinking to myself, though. I'm the only person that's hearing me talk over here. Uh, um, I do see a hand raised. Uh, okay, please. Moderator. Um, yeah, Neela, that is not um, a member of the public. It is Josh, who will be speaking during Lily's time. Okay, and um, you're sure he doesn't have a comment on this item? Uh, I'll unmute I'll him to confirm. Hi, caller. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm I was waiting. I'm raising my hand for item ten. Okay, it just we wanted to make sure. Thanks, Josh. We'll talk to you in a sec. We'll put you back Thank on. You. Thank you. Seeing no questions from directors and no public comment, this is the item for action. So, would you like anyone to make a motion and a second, please? Move approval, John Baptiste. I second, Director Forbes. Thank you. Roll call, please. All right, Director Forbes. Aye. Forbes, aye. Director John Baptiste. Aye. John Baptiste, aye. Director Lipkin. Aye. Lipkin, aye. Director Shaw. I want to say aye and thank you for uh, this goal because I, I was having a hard time unmuting and talking, but thank you. Aye. Thank you. Uh, Director uh, Shaw, aye. Director Tumlin. Aye. Tumlin, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. And Chair G. Yes. Uh, GI as well, and item nine is approved. Go ahead and call your next item. Please. All right. Uh, item 10 directors is approving the recommended applicant, Joshua Rosen, to serve as a member of the TJPA Citizens Advisory Committee to fill the vacant seat of the disabled advocate. And Lily Magiswu, Communications and Legislative Affairs Director, will present. Good morning, directors. As stated by Executive Director Van de Water, we currently have the midterm seat open due to the unexpected passing of member Bob Plant Hold in February of this year. At that time, we were at the tail end of our annual CAC recruitment and did not receive any applicants to fill the seat. We continued our extensive outreach using our website, social media platforms, and contacted various organizations, including the Mayor's Office on Disability, from the Disabled Advocacy Community to fill the seat. Today, I'm happy to report that we are recommending Joshua Rosen to fill the disabled advocate seat. As you can see in his resume, he has a long history working with the disabled community and currently works serves on the Multimodal Accessibility Committee at the San Francisco Municipal Transportation Agency. He's really interested in learning about the TJPA and represents the interests of the disabled community before um, and will represent the interests of the disabled community, community before ICAC as we welcome writers and visitors back to the center and work to deliver DTX. Information about our recommendation is found in your packet. Staff recommends that you approve the item as recommended. And Josh, as you heard him earlier, is um, on um, and can be elevated to provide some words as um, the chair uh, approves. Lily, thank you for your report. Josh, thank you for joining us and volunteering to serve on our CAC. Would you like to say a few words before the board um, considers your application? Yes. Um, hi, my name is Joshua Rosen, and I am um, an applicant for the to fulfill the disabled advocacy. Um, I am currently works working for SF Unified as a paraeducator and in an, an access program which serves 18 to 22 year olds with developmental disabilities and travel training and public transit and safety is a 
very big component of our curriculum at our school and the Salesforce Tower and the Transit Center has been a very popular destination for many of our students when they are given opportunities on places to explore in our cities. Um, I'm also a recreational program leader at the Pomeroy Rec and Rehab Center's um, Children and Teens Department. And we also do a lot of daily field trips. And um, based on what I've seen at the Salesforce, I think we trip to to go there because the because of the beautiful um, garden that exists at the Salesforce Tower. Um, I have been on the MAC meetings um, um, for a couple of months now. Um, I was honored when um, Matt West, the director of SFMTA, um, asked me to apply, and and I'm very excited to learn more about public transit and. To help, and I hope to continue to advocate to make it um, to make public transit in our city and our and our bay and the Bay Area um, more ADA accessible. Thank you. Very good, Josh. Thank you for joining us this morning, and again, thank you for applying uh, to serve on on our committee here. So much appreciated. Directors, any comments? Any questions? Neela, is there any other additional public comment on this item? I don't believe so. Jason, can you help me verify? And no, no additional public comment. Directors, is this item for action? Is there a motion and a second? I'd like to move the recommendation, please. Lipkin. Is there a second? I'll make a second, Forbes. Thank you. Roll call, please. All right, Director Forbes. Aye. Forbes, aye. Director John Baptiste. Aye. John Baptiste, aye. Director Lipkin. Aye. Lipkin, aye. Director Shaw. Aye. Shaw, aye. Director Tumlin. Aye. Tumlin, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. And Chair G. Yes. G, aye as well. Uh, with that, uh, welcome Josh. And um, item 10 is approved. Josh will join us at our next CAC meeting in September. Congratulations, Josh. All right. Um, I'll go ahead and call the next item and um, pause at that moment. Uh, directors, item 11 is authorizing the executive director to execute a memorandum of understanding with the city and county of San Francisco Office of Economic Workforce Development, describing the agreement of um, OEWD and other city departments uh, to incur certain efforts related to advancing the downtown rail extension project and reimbursement to the city for such efforts in an amount not to exceed 40,000 in fiscal year 21-22 and 985,000 in fiscal year 22-23, while the party, uh, parties negotiate a longer term interagency cooperative agreement. And um, Alfonso Rodriguez, DTX project director, is uh, going to present this item to you, um, but I think we wanna do um, uh, a pause for a second before that. Hello, Director Forbes. Uh, Chair G, I need to recuse myself from this item. I'm a department head within the city and county of San Francisco and earn a salary from the city and this MOU is with the city. And for that reason, I will be recusing myself. Thank you. Thank you, Director Forbes. And for similar reasons as Director Forbes, I will also need to recuse myself as a department head in the city and county of San Francisco. Thank you, Director Tumlin. And given the protocol of a virtual meeting, I think 
the protocol is that you turn your cameras off and we'll ask you to rejoin us as soon as this item is complete. That's correct. All right. Great. Thank you. Um, I, as part of the Federal Transit Administration's Capital Investment Grants Program, FTA requires that TJPA as project sponsor complete and secure all critical third-party agreements before completing the engineering phase, which is the project's next phase in the New Starts program. Um, and uh, that will be in, uh, completed in August of 2023. These agreements are those necessary to facilitate the financing, design, permitting, construction, operation, and maintenance of, of I'm sorry, operation and maintenance, excuse me, um, I'm sorry, I, I kind of lost track here. So I'm, I'm gonna start over here so that it's, this is necessary for the TJPA to um, engage with the necessary third parties to secure these agreements before August of 23. In particular, TJPA plans um, to pursue an interagency uh, inter cooperative agreement or ICA with the city and county of San Francisco to cover all city agency departments in which third party agreements need to be secured. Uh, and this is rather than doing so individually. TJPA is currently working with the Office of Economic and Workforce Development, as well as the city attorney's office and other city San Francisco agencies to determine the appropriate scope of this ICA. In the interim, before the ICA can be fully negotiated and presented to the agency's respective legislative bodies for approval, ongoing design coordination, as well as negotiations with, on the ICA itself, Will, be, will, require, will require time and effort from the various city staff. In fiscal year 21-22, certain city agencies incurred costs related to advancing the DTX and seeks reimbursement of up to $40,000 for such costs, 40,000. 40, In fiscal year 22-23, the city anticipates it will occur in a, incur an additional um, cost in support of DTX for which it seeks reimbursement. TJPA has planned reimbursement for such costs up to $985,000. Costs incurred in support of advancing DTX in the Capital Investment Grant Program are considered eligible local share in the grant. TJPA and OEWD have negotiated an MOU, um, which will be, which is before you today, for action. And it describes the cooperation between the parties and authorizes reimbursement to the city while the parties negotiate the more comprehensive ICA. Now, this concludes my introductory comments and I'm available to address your questions. Alfonso, good morning and thank you for your report. <clears throat> Directors, any questions for Alfonso? I'm not seeing any hands raised. <clears throat> and those that are not on video, I can't see you're waving your hand, so. <laughs> Please help me out if you, you have any questions. If not, any public comment, Neela, on this? I'm not seeing any. And I, I know that uh, Director Fell is having some video um, glitches, but uh, she's with us audio. So assuming she didn't have anything, we don't have any members of the public. Uh, moderator, please confirm. Confirm. All right. Right, saying that there are no questions and no public comment, directors, this is an item for action. Is there a motion? A second. Motion to approve, Shaw. 
I'll take the first by Shaw and I heard a second, but I, I don't know where it came from. Mandelman? Mandelman, thank you. Thank you, Vice Chair uh, Mandelman. Roll call, please. All right. Um, Director John Baptiste. Aye. John Baptiste, aye. Director Lipkin. Aye. Lipkin, aye. Director Shaw. Aye. Shaw, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman, aye. And Chair G. Yes. GI as well uh, with the recusals of Forbes and Tumlin. Item 11 is approved. Thank you, directors and Director Forbes and Director Tumlin. If you could rejoin us, that'd be great. Okay. All right. Go ahead and please call our next item. All right. And I see Michelle. We've, we've got video working. Look at that. We're moving. Um, all right, item 12, uh, director's item 12 is the uh, San Francisco Peninsula Rail Program Executive Steering Committee update and Michelle Bouchard, uh, Caltrain Executive Director and ESC Chair will provide the update followed by Alfonso Rodriguez, uh, who will provide a status update on the work plan schedule. Great, perfect. Thank you. Good morning, Chair G and members of the board. Uh, I'm here to provide your monthly update on the uh, activities of the ESC. Um, and as Neela pointed out, I'm going to be asking Alfonso to provide an update at the end of my report. Um, at the June meeting of the ESC, we received an informative presentation on the DTX quantitative risk assessment and cost estimating process. To implement this process, the DTX team is currently engaged in a series of activities to develop a new capital cost estimate that will lead to a new baseline program budget. Several activities supporting this milestone will occur throughout this summer and fall, including a quantitative risk assessment to determine contingency amounts, a value engineering exercise on the updated preliminary engineering design, and an independent peer review of the new draft capital cost estimate and schedule, and updating escalation costs. This will help staff prepare a recommended program budget, which will be presented to the ESC in December, and then further to this board for adoption in January of next year. The ESC also discussed the IPMT's recommendations for DTX project delivery, which you will consider later in today's agenda. The project delivery strategy describes the contracting approach to construction to construct DTX and its various elements. It examines construction risk by element and assigns responsibility to the parties best suited to manage that risk. The next step in this process involves the IPMT developing an implementation strategy, which will be coordinated with other ongoing DTX work streams, namely the funding plan and governance study. Um, so that concludes my brief report. I do want to invite Alfonso Rodriguez to discuss these accelerated work plan activities, which all play key roles in supporting TG, TJPA's upcoming request to enter FTA's new starts engineering phase in February of next year. Um, Alfonso, I will hand it over to you. Great, thank you. Uh, Chair Bouchard, could we bring the slide deck up and maybe just advance to the second slide? Great, thank you. So um, the DTX Accelerated Work Plan was adopted by this board in April of last year. And listed on the screen are those activities outlined in the work plan and the anticipated dates when these items will again appear before the board, either as an informational item or one for action and adoption, as required by the Federal Transit Administration Capital Investment Grants 
uh, program. Each of these items will be discussed at IPMT and ESC leading up to board consideration or, or appearing before the board. It is also important to note that these plans will be reviewed by the FTA and its assigned project management oversight consultant, which you heard earlier, uh, known as the PMOC. And so I'll try to minimize acronyms in this presentation. Um, and they, they will be charged with reviewing the plans for completeness. Um, and that's one of the requirements to enter the next phase of the New Starts Grants Program, known as the engineering phase. The project delivery strategy provides a recommendation for DTX construction contract packaging by element, along with the final design and construction delivery method by contract package based on size and complexity, market engagement and the risk assessment that you heard about. CAC will hear, I'm sorry, the board will um, see this item uh, as uh, in uh, coming up in this in the meeting today. The rebranding plan is intended to identify and communicate the project in a way that reflects its importance to the mega re region and throughout the state. The plan will identify strategies and resources to demonstrate the broad benefits of the project from a transportation, economic impact, environmental and community perspective. The governance study calls for identification of the best institutional arrangement for project delivery and will recommend a management framework, otherwise known as the governance model. The board will be taking action on this study um, and its recommendations at its September meeting. The O&M plan examines the requirements and associated costs to deliver transit service and examines the needs by project elements, such as rail systems, tunnels, stations, rolling stock, yards, and shops. Since DTX serves an extension as an extension of an existing rail transit service, finalizing the plan requires close coordination with the operator and, and their newly constructed uh, electrified system. The capital funding plan identifies program funding sources, illustrating our ability to fund project construction and all other construction program elements, such as third-party support, right-of-way oversight and contingencies. The 20-year financial plan represents the funding side of the O&M requirements, including state of good repair, demonstrating our ability to adequately provide funding over a 20-year timeframe. The CEQA NEPA documentation involves the environmental work of the, of the project configuration changes that the board heard about last year, resulting from the updated preliminary engineering work, including the phasing plan, and changes to the 4th and Townsend station, and of course the track reduction within the tunnel. The baseline budget is a new program budget that takes into account the updated design, project cost and contingencies, and program reserve informed by the qualitative risk assessment, peer review, value engineering, and the project delivery method that you will be considering here shortly. And we'll also be um, applying an updated annual cost escalation. Now these tasks are in process and will continue over the summer and fall months, leading to uh, board action in February next year. And that action is our request to enter the engineering phase under the uh, capital investment program. And that's the next step in the Federal Transit Administration's program where FTA engages with TJPA and as the project sponsor in reviewing the volumes of documentation and plans that we're preparing in our current project development phase. 
including the new program budget and schedule. So this concludes my uh, presentation on the accelerated work plan. And again, I'm available to address your questions. <clears throat> Alfonso, thank you for your report. Um, Michelle, thank you for the report also. Director's questions about the roadmap ahead of or items and actions coming forward. This is very helpful, Alfonso and Michelle. Much appreciated. Any hands raised? I'm not seeing any hands raised. Okay, any questions from the public and public comment on this? Saying not a, oh, thank you very much. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, no, I'm not seeing any. Okay. Um, right. And um, I believe Jason just confirmed. So that would conclude the item and it's, it's only an information item. Great. Thank you again, Michelle and Alfonso, for the update and the roadmap in front of us. We've got a very busy few months ahead of us, and I'm sure IPMT and ESC is going to be working even harder. So thank you. Thank you for the warning. <laughs> Have a great day, all. All right, Neil, I think we can go ahead with our next item. Yeah, I'll go ahead and, and call the... Um, Next item, and uh, I think we'll take a pause at that point too. Um, we'll uh, item 13 on uh, your calendar, directors, is authorizing the executive director to execute a letter of agreement with the Peninsula Quarter Joint Powers Board, Caltrain, uh, describing the party's cooperation to complete all work needed to meet uh, critical milestones in the downtown rail extension uh, accelerated work plan and documentation requirements related to the full funding grant agreement request. Uh, and reimbursement to Caltrain uh, for such efforts in an amount not to exceed 437,000 in fiscal year 21-22 and 2,883,000 in fiscal year 22-23. Uh, this would be a temporary letter of agreement uh, while the parties negotiate a longer term master cooperative agreement um, and uh, Alfonso Rodriguez, um, DTX project director, would present, will present uh, in, um, after we take a, a slight pause. Thank you, Neela. <clears throat> I'm in a unique situation where I serve as a director on the Caltrain board, but I'm not an employee of Caltrain, but in an abundance of caution, I'm going to recuse myself from this item and turn the meeting over to our vice chair, Mandelman, to handle number item number 13. So um, I'm going to disappear for a little bit and uh, come back whenever this item is completed. So vice chair Mandelman, the gavel is yours. Thank you. Thank you, Chair G. Uh, Alfonso. Great, thank you. Item 13 is a letter of agreement um, with the JPB as, a, as in the earlier MOU item with the city and county of San Francisco and as one of those identified critical third-party agreements for FTA grant guidance, the TJPA and Caltrain are engaged in developing a Master Cooperative Agreement or MCA to be included in the TJPA's August 2023 application for a federal grant. Um, the MCA with Caltrain will address key topics, including funding of the Caltrain grant eligible costs, including design and construction support and coordination. The MCA will encompass the entire design, construction, and operating phases of DTX and addresses temporary surface encroachment at the rail yard, per permitting, procurement, and construction coordination, operations and maintenance and rehabilitation, as well as asset disposition. 
When negotiated, the MCA will be brought before the TJPA and Caltrain boards for adoption, which is anticipated next year in the spring. In the interim, before the MCA can be fully negotiated, TJPA requires considerable coordination with Caltrain, including information sharing, design and operational and other documentation input to ensure the TJPA meets critical milestones in the accelerated work plan and the requirements of the FTA grant. Caltrain has incurred consultant costs in the amount of 437,000 in fiscal year 21-22. In support of this effort, beyond its role in, on the executive steering committee and its support on the integrated project management team. Caltrain has also developed an estimate for additional costs in support of the project during fiscal year 22-23 in the amount of 2,883,000. Last month, Caltrain's board of directors included in its FY22 23 budget, a $1.5 million capital contribution towards the DTX program costs. And, it's and it is the proposed in the LOA to be used as an offset to Caltrain's FY22-23 incurred costs in support of DTX. The balance will come from available 2022 CFD bond proceeds. So this concludes my introductory remarks to the item. I'm available to answer your questions. Thank you, Alfonso. Um, looking to see whether any the other Vice Chairman, I, I here would like to uh, also point oh. out that there was a small modification of a staff report that was distributed to the board last night to remove an unnecessary paragraph uh, related to the relationship between Caltrain and High Speed Rail along the segment. There was no changes to the letter of agreement or to the resolution considering it. Um, so those items remain the same, but there is a revised staff report um, posted to the website and in your packets today. Okay, thank you. Um, I'm not sure if I'm looking in exactly the right place. I don't think I see any hands up. Looks like you have Director Lipkin. Oh, there we go, Director Lipkin. Yeah, if I can jump in um, and, and th thank you, Vice Chair, and, and thanks uh, Adam for the update in the memo that you guys uh, made last night, I think that's that was a helpful clarification. Uh, I do have a question probably for Alfonso and, uh, you know, in reading the letter of agreement, it's the scope that's in there is essentially a, a one sentence uh, scope of work for uh, cooperation in support of the um, accelerated work program and the FFGA uh, FTA process. Uh, and so what will be the internal mechanism and process to authorize Caltrain to actually do work under the letter of agreement or how will that actually function in uh, assuming this is approved? Thank you, Member Lipkin. Um, the, uh, the work that we expect from Caltrain is really a continuation of the work that they've been performing already. And that is the work to help us um, finalize preliminary engineering, the engineering cost estimate, all the operating uh, requirements and the various documentation. Um, there's a substantial amount of work and time that they're investing in DTX, and they have already been doing that. We did look at the possibility of trying to iterate that scope, and you know that that scope of work is so ex extensive, it actually is better suited in the MCA, along with the other tasks that they'll be required to perform. So we decided together that a simple reflection of the work that they're already doing and allowing this LOA to serve pretty much as a reimbursement mechanism to be able to access that support readily um, was the way to go. So 
I do recognize the question. Um, I, my response is that a detailed scope of work is being negotiated now and it'll be presented in the MCA. Well, okay. I mean, maybe if I can just re respond to that a little bit because, and I, so, I certainly recognize and I'm not trying to question the work that Caltrain is doing. And I know all of our agencies are pulling, you know, all sorts of resources to help with uh, DTX. I know they have perhaps a, uh, additional burden uh, with some of the FTA kind of uh, interrelationship. And so I am certainly not questioning the, uh, the, the effort that Caltrain needs to undertake. Um, I guess what seems missing to me is before Caltrain would, you know, this is about a $3 million contract or, or agreement with Caltrain uh, to do the work. It, it seems like a authorization from TJPA would be helpful. That would, you know, have some sort of outline of the, I know you're doing the general MCA, but for the next year worth of work, you should, I would imagine you have very specific deliverables or things that you need, you know, design reviews or other functions that you need them to perform. Uh, and so it seems like it would be useful to have a mechanism that sets out a more precise, you know, scope, budget, schedule, and I don't know, a list of deliverables that TGAP would get for the money that is uh, being proposed here. So I guess I will leave that for other board members to consider or, or, or the staff to consider. Uh, but to me, that would be kind of a good control mechanism to make sure that ultimately you were, you know, the the place I don't want to be is arguing with Caltrain over, well, was that charge appropriate or was this scope, you know, the right thing to do? And so uh, I think having some more documentation before work, work actually gets done, at least as a, um, from a state agency perspective, that's certainly our, our way of doing business. And I think there's good reason that that's, uh, that that's been the general practice uh, that we've had. Through the chair to director Lipkin, and I may ask our general counsel to weigh in on this, but wanted to give the, the board a little bit of additional assurance of, of the process here that uh, it's it's the LOA also contemplates the recitals in the memorandum of understanding that lay out the work the parties have agreed to. Um, that uh, includes the work plan, the accelerated work schedule, FDA requirements to submit the FFGA, and then the mechanisms to reimburse should any disagreement occur, include monthly invoices from Caltrain, uh, which need to include descriptions of work performed, staff classifications, performing work, hours, and billing rates. Uh, that's included in Section 3E and Exhibit C. Uh, the TJPA retains the authority to reject inappropriate charges in Section 3 and Exhibit C, and the parties agree to meet and confer over any disputed charges. Uh, the TJPA can audit and inspect Caltrain records and can terminate the LOA under Section 4 should it become necessary. But I uh, I don't know if our general counsel wants to weigh in at all on this, um, who was involved in some of those efforts, but I wanted to make that clear to the directors. Thank you, Director. And through the chair, um, thank you, Director Lipkin, for the question. And I know the TJPA is very conscious of that all dollars on the project um, are carefully spent um, and, and, and that the dollars are carefully controlled. I would just point out as to your question about what scope um, Caltrain is expected to participate in. Um, I look at the MOU, which the parties, uh, High Speed Rail, Caltrain, TJPA, and the city uh, entered as describing the work that they collectively agree needs to get accomplished. Nested within that is a work program that describes um, at a high level of detail uh, uh, certain tasks that need to be accomplished, and that's referenced in the LOA. And then nested within that is the accelerated work plan approved by the board 
um, which is a 21 page document that um, has on the order of um, uh, 600 tasks that are specifically identified as being required with a time schedule attached to them. And then I think nested within that are weekly meetings um, among the parties to describe specifically uh, what's expected to occur in the short term. Um, so I do feel like TJPA has adequate controls over the expectations of where Caltrain will contribute work product, which it can then validate against the monthly invoices um, submitted by Caltrain. Great. You want to add anything to that, Adam, or? I appreciate that feedback. Uh, Commissioner Lipkin. I, I, I don't think I have much more to say. I mean, I, I, maybe this is a place where we have some differences of views of, you know, and again, I think protecting against uh, the place of stronger documentation protects you at the time when there's a disagreement. And so I think what you're describing is when things are going well, I don't see this as being any kind of an issue. Um, but I think you, we would be better served with uh, a, a stronger written authorization of work being done uh, under the MO, LOA that is expected to be reimbursed. I just think that's good, good practice. Um, and so I, I think about what we do in of the particular item, but that would be my recommendation. Right. Thank you, uh, Commissioner Lipkin. Uh, do we have? I don't see anything more, but I didn't see. I didn't see a hand last. Oh. Yeah, right. I don't see any other hands. We can check on public uh, comment, which I also don't see. But moderator, if you could help me verify, make sure I'm not missing anyone. And no, no public comment. Right. Right. Uh, then public comment on this item is closed. Um, need a motion to approve, I believe. Correct. So moved, Tumlin. Second, Forbes. Seconded by Forbes. Uh, please call the roll. All right. With that, for item 13, the LOA with Caltrain, Director Forbes. Aye. Forbes, aye. Director Jean-Baptiste. Aye. Jean-Baptiste, aye. Director Lipkin. I'm going to abstain. Lipkin, abstain. Director Shaw. Aye. Shaw, aye. Director Tumlin. Aye. Tumlin, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman I and Chair G is recused. With that, um, item 13 is approved. All right. We can go ahead and Thank you, Madam Secretary. I'll hand the gavel back to Chair G. Thank you, Vice Chair Mandelman. And <clears throat> the recusal process is great. It allows for a bio break during a meeting. So this is perfect. So I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, directors. Uh, Neela, item 14. Self off mute. We'll get over to item 14. Item 14 is approving the downtown rail extension project delivery approach to include a progressive design build for a single uh, civil and tunnel contract and construction management general contractor for the systems, track work, and station fit out scope. 
with conditions for implementation. And Alfonso Rodriguez, DTX project director, uh, along with Jesse Kaler, uh, SFCTA rail program manager, uh, will present the item. Great, thank you. Uh, why don't we bring up the slide deck, Jason? Actually, we'll just let's advance one more slide. Thank you. Um, the project delivery study and its recommendations reflect the needs and objectives of the downtown rail extension project and our, as well as our project characteristics, uh, setting, risk tolerance, and industry capability. And I thought it would be helpful first to walk through the major project elements of DTX before we get into the details of the project delivery uh, study and recommendations. Overall, there are is approximately 2.4 miles of total construction, principally within Townsend and Second Streets, and on the surface at the Caltrain rail yards, and along 7th Street with surface track work. There's approximately one and a half miles of tunnel alignment length, a new underground station at 4th and Townsend Streets, uh, largely under Townsend Street, and partially underneath the Caltrain rail yard. The Salesforce Transit Station box, which has already been built, will be extended to the east under the TJPA-owned uh, property. Other surface and subsurface features include ventilation and emergency egress structures. Fit-out refers to those construction items in the Salesforce Transit Center station and the 4th and Townsend station that are not critical to train operations. Track work elements both on the surface and below ground in the tunnel and stations, and all systems work that are required for safe train operation. So those are pretty much the elements of DTX. Why don't we go to the next slide? Thank you. So in December of last year, IPMT and ESC considered a broad range of contract packaging and delivery options, which were narrowed to those shown on this slide. The project construction elements I just covered are listed in a column to the left in gray, and they again include enabling works, which includes that advanced utility relocation, site clearing, and preparation for off-site staging areas. And this is to be delivered through a conventional design bid-build approach. A general civil contract, which includes station excavation, cut and cover sections, or top-down construction, including the DTX section known as the throat, that's that area of the alignment leading up to the Salesforce Transit Center to the west end of the station box. And that's located underneath 2nd and Howard Streets. The tunnel section, would be, which begins at one end at Townsend and 3rd Streets, then up 2nd Street to this throat area. Station fit out and supporting systems, which I mentioned earlier, which are not critical to train operation, but required for for station function, functionality. And core systems and track work which involve those elements necessary for train operation. And to the right are the various delivery methods assigned to these construction elements, starting with a progressive design build or PDB, a construction manager general contractor or a CMGC approach. And further to the right, a progressive design build approach which includes a financing component for the general civil contract identified as PDBF. All options um, include the opportunity for early contractor involvement for the various construction elements except the enabling works program. 
And all options do include the enabling works contract shown across the top in gray. I'm gonna turn the presentation now over to Jesse Kaler, who will walk us through a few of the details. Jesse. Great, thanks Alfonso. Uh, good morning, directors, Jesse Kaler, SFCTA. And if we could move to the next slide, please. The project delivery study team has identified options five and six as the recommended approach for DTMs. With this approach reflecting, as Alfonso mentioned, the progressive design build approach for the tunnel and civil works, along with one or two CMGC contracts. Option seven with construction period private finance has also been identified as a potential goal, potential viable alternative option subject to further consideration as the project's work program continues over the next number of months. Zeroing in on options five and six, these reflect TJPA selecting a progressive design builder and one or two CMGC contractors. Notwithstanding their different names, the CMGC and progressive design build approaches are siblings of one another. Both contract models reflect an initial pre-construction services phase in which the contractor team is selected to work with the, with the owner to develop the final design and to negotiate a final contract in price in an, end, in an open book fashion. The distinction between the two approaches is that under the progressive design build, responsibility for design is transferred to the contractor, whereas under the CMGC, design responsibility would be retained by the public sector. Under options five and six, TJPA would be responsible for managing the interface between the progressive design build contract and the CMGC. This includes managing the coordination of activities during the pre-construction phase, such as systems related input into the progressive design builders development of design for the civil works. A final note on this slide with respect to considerations for one versus two CMGC contracts. A single CMGC would reduce contract interfaces requiring management and coordination by TJPA. Two contracts would allow for selection of teams more closely aligned to specific areas of, areas of specialty scope, and the approach of two contracts could also facilitate differing approaches to multi-agency roles with respect to either contract. For example, a deeper level of engagement from the operators on core systems and track work. Next slide, please. The recommendation regarding options five and six reflects a number of rationales. With respect to DTX, the recommendation here for a single progressive design build for all civil works reflects in part, the need for a single party to manage within the constraints of construction staging and access across tunneling and other civil construction activities. The CMGC for systems track and station fit out reflects in part the preference of the operators for the public sector to retain responsibility for design for these work packages. In addition to these DTX specific considerations, this morning's recommendation reflects that there has been an evolution in the industry over the past several years, generally away from large lump sum contracts such as conventional design build approaches to more collaborative methods, particularly for those projects with underground construction or complex systems components. This reflects the, experience, the experiences of both owners who have seen outturn or final costs in excess of initial bid or contract prices, as well as the experiences of contractors who have seen losses on certain projects. 
The progressive approach underlying both CMGC and progressive design build is intended to support collaborative de-risking and thorough and transparent risk allocation through the pre-construction services phase, ultimately with the intended aim of supporting better price certainty and the development of a collaborative relationship between the delivery agency and the contractor, as opposed to a more adversarial relationship. To elaborate briefly on this procurement approach, we can use the example of the process by which the progressive design build team would be selected. The formal process would start with the issuance of a request for qualifications, with this RFQ process leading to a shortlisting of three qualified proponent teams, with each team including both a constructor and a designer. The RFQ phase would be followed by a request for proposals, with the RFP process leading to the identification of the preferred progressive design build team. This RFP process would be weighted toward qualifications, but would incorporate key commercial elements such as agreed margins and overhead rates. Upon selection of the preferred proponent team, an initial notice to proceed would be issued for the pre-construction services phase. During this pre-construction phase, the design build team would develop design to an approximately 60% level, with this team compensated at agreed rates and budgets. During this pre-construction services phase, the complete construction phase contract would be negotiated with this negotiation supported by independent cost estimate expertise and the finalization of agreed risk allocation and pricing. During this phase, the TJPA would also maintain the ability to off-ramp or exit from negotiations with the initially selected proponent team. An analogous set of procurement steps would be pursued for the CMGC contracts for systems track and station fit out. Next slide, please. As I mentioned, in addition to options five and six, the study's recommendations include maintaining option seven as a potentially viable option, subject to further analysis through the project development work program over the next number of months. Option seven is a variation of options five and six, under which the progressive design build contract would include project finance provided by the design build team. The share of construction cost financed by the private sector is typically a percentage of the of the total outlay, with the public sector providing the balance and the contractor paid at substantial completion or following a brief warranty period. The rationale for inclusion of construction period private finance is broadly twofold. First, by putting private capital at risk, timely and compliant completion of scope is incentivized. And second, the private finance can play a role in the overall financing plan for managing project cash flow needs. Design-build finance approaches have been used extensively and successfully in the Canadian transit market over the last 10 plus years. A final decision regarding option seven will be informed by upcoming work, including the risk process, financial plan, and market engagement. Next slide, please. The delivery study team has conducted a qualitative assessment of the long-term P3 DDFM approach or option 10. As a reminder, under option 10, the contractor would be responsible for, design, for designing and constructing the project, as well as for providing certain services during an approximately 30-year operating term. While it is understood that transit operations for DTX will be the responsibility of the operating agencies, option 10 would incorporate certain other operations, maintenance, and rehabilitation activities into the project contract, such as facility operations and lifecycle maintenance. 
The aim of a long-term DBFM approach is to directly integrate operational and life cycle considerations into the design and construction of the project. P3 agreements also specify that the asset be handed back to the public in a state of good repair. The P3 approach also generally entails additional oversight associated with the provision of private finance across the period of a long-term contract. There are several factors that make consideration of a DBFM for DTX unique. DTX is, of course, an extension of a much longer system. A more typical long-term transit P3 would be for a greenfield or standalone system. Given the scale of construction activity, particularly for tunneling and civil construction, the potential amount of transferred operating period scope is relatively modest for DTX. A higher level of OMR scope would generally provide greater opportunity for long-term risk transfer and resulting value to the public sector. P3 agreements are also generally more inflexible during the operating period and the impact on the P3 agreement of future changes to infrastructure as the rail system develops is challenging to plan for at the time of contract award prior to construction. I will now turn the presentation back to Alfonso to present the remaining slides. Thank you, Jesse. Um, why don't we go to the next slide? So the next two slides represent IPMT's recommendations. Um, they begin with, um, I'm, I'm just going to have to read them off pretty quickly, excuse me. The first is to implement the uh, enabling works program that I discussed in order to de-risk delivery of the larger primary contracts that follow. Utilizing the progressive form of project procurement for primary contracts to provide early and collaborative contractor engagement um, and, and leading to the project's final design. This is something we consistently heard from the industry during our soundings. To deliver the tunnel and civil scope through a single progressive design build contract. To deliver the core systems, supporting systems, track work and station fit out scope through one or two contracts using a CMGC model, which allows us to retain more control and, oper and provide operator control. Delivery of the operations, maintenance and rehabilitation scope through the arrangements separate from, but coordinated with infrastructure design and construction. So why don't we go to the next slide, please? Thank you. So um, these wrap up our IPMT recommendations to complete the preliminary design and capital cost estimate, assuming two separate CMGC contracts in order to maintain flexibility until preliminary design, the quantitative risk assessment and industry sounding inform us uh, on selecting a preferred approach to determine the number of CMGC contracts by October 2022, which is when these activities will need to be completed. Uh, consider the potential of including private finance into the tunnel and civil progressive design build option to be informed by the funding plan, as Jesse pointed out. To prepare a strategic implementation roadmap for project delivery, which will describe the approach and requirements for successfully implementing the recommended delivery method. And um, this will come back before the board uh, when it is uh, finalized. And finally, to coordinate the implementation plan with the other work stream activities um, that I mentioned earlier, the risk assessment, the capital cost estimate, funding plan, and governance study. So this concludes our formal presentation of the item. Um, Jesse and I are available to address your questions.
Thank you, Alfonso. Thank you, Jesse. Appreciate the, um, the presentation and the report. Directors, questions, comments, ideas, thoughts? This is Director Forbes, Alfonso, and team. I really appreciated this presentation. I thought it was very thorough and uh, really gave the, the board a good sense of what's coming and what are some of the policy options and explorations you're going through. So uh, thank you for the presentation. I expect to see other presentations like this as you march through the analysis and make your recommendations. So thank you. Thank you, Director Forbes. <clears throat> other directors? I'd also like to add that I am glad to see the very strong level of collaboration between the SFCTA and the TJPA, um, as well as the quality of staff that both organizations have gotten on board in order to oversee um, this very important project that will uh, last a long time. Thank you, Dr. Tumlin. And Chair Kate, it looks like uh, Vice Chair Mandelman, I think you have your virtual hand up. Oh, please, Vice Chair Mandelman. Thanks, Chair G. I just want to echo the thanks for um, all the good work by uh, TJPA and um, SFCTA staff on this. It's a very important part of the process. It's going to, uh, you know, determine a whole lot of stuff about the next, you know, five to ten years of our lives. And, um, you know, I think they're showing care and thinking about these things from all angles. And um, uh, so I'm, I'm grateful for that work and hoping that we can, um, you know, actually be delivering a big capital project in a way that we can be proud of, you know, 15 years from now. Thank you, Vice Chair Mandelman. Hopefully it's a new way of doing business and we can start to deliver mega projects on budget and on schedule. Looking forward to that. Other directors. Director G, I, yeah, I, I, this is Director Shaw. I do have one question. I, I echo everybody else's comments. I think this is a lot of great work. I just wondered about um, the private financing because the time frame there isn't uh, is pretty short. So my expectation is is that they've already been talking to people or have an idea that this might actually be a good alternative. So I guess I'm just asking how confident they feel that this actually is a good um, option going forward. Thank you, Director Shaw. I'm, I'll attempt to answer it at first and then Jesse, if you'd like to add. I, I, I think what you saw in the presentation is that we would like to keep it as an option to the recommended approaches that were presented. And, and the reason why we want to keep it as an option is, of course, we still have our uh, the funding plan work ahead of us that um, will help us decide whether that's a requirement or not to help us advance the project. So it's 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 just a recommendation to keep it as an option at this point until informed in the future. Jesse, anything else to add? Thanks, Alfonso. The only thing I would add is a point of clarification that under option seven, the option that Alfonso was referring to, which does include private finance, the form of finance is not associated with a long-term return to the contractor. It is simply a form of bridge financing during the construction period itself. Uh, and it is common practice uh, in, in certain jurisdictions for uh, managing construction phase uh, cash flows, as well as uh, helping to incent 
the contractor to deliver the project on time uh, and within budget. And our primary reason, as Alfonso mentioned, to retain it at this point is so that as the financial plan, which was mentioned in the earlier item, uh, is advanced, we can uh, consider it simply in light of that, that related work. Thank you, that's helpful. Thank you. Thank you, Director Shaw. Other directors? Uh, Chair G, I did have a question. Please. Um, I just was hoping you could elaborate a little bit on recommendation number five. I found I didn't totally understand it, and so I was hoping you could explain what the thinking is behind that. Sure. I mean, actually, it's it's pretty simple. Um, thank you for the question, Director Jean-Baptiste. Um, option five and option six are, are the same approaches. The only difference is that in option five, we're splitting the systems and station fit out into two separate CMGC contracts, where in option six, it would be one CMGC contract. And the reasons why, sorry? I'm sorry to interrupt. I, I mean, recommendation number five, not five oh. and six options, but the recommendation in the list. Okay. Um, can we bring up the uh, second, the third to the last slide? We can put eyes on it, uh, Jason. So it's towards the end of the presentation. It'll be, um, like I said, the, I think it's the third last slide. There we go, number five. Is that the one you're referring to? Yes. Great. So, um, so uh, I think this kind of harkens back to the earlier study uh, or earlier in the study where we were considering option 10, where we would have a, a separate private entity to provide operation and maintenance and rehabilitation during a, a period um, following construction. And as you saw in today's presentation that we're recommending, it has already been um, uh, carved out of today's recommendation. So IPMT though, just wanted to make sure that we acknowledge that the OMR, the Operation Maintenance and Rehabilitation Scope, um, be conducted separate from the uh, Progressive Design Build or CMGC contractors. And that's kind of just a, a, um, a reference to the Option 10, which was considered earlier. And obviously, or we believe that the Operation Maintenance and Rehabilitation Scope responsibility will lie with the train operator rather than a private entity for a period of time. Okay, that's helpful. I was not, I was understanding this as a separate privately held contract. So that is helpful to understand. Thank you. Thank you, Director John Baptiste. Other questions? If not, I do have a couple. Jason, can you put maybe slide four up? That, that that works. So again, Alfonso, Jesse, thank you, and great work. I mean, this is this is highly detailed work, very thought thoughtful work. And this slide sort of ties in, Alfonso, I think, with your update and your your presentation on the update, and and some of the items coming before TJPA in the future. Because isn't there a left column to the scope here? And that left column sort of 
implies what TJPA may be responsible for and what the operators may be responsible for. And that hasn't been all grounded yet. <clears throat> am, I, am I saying that right? So for example, in this slide here, the graphic may suggest that TJPA is responsible for the enabling work, the general civil, the tunnel, the operators may be responsible for core systems and track work, and the MNO agreement that needs to be worked out may influence station fit out and supporting systems. Am I am I reading this correctly? Well, um, I think so, uh, Director G. What what I'd like to add is that the scope column represent the contract packaging elements. So it's really intended to illustrate um, the, the construction work that the various um, uh, contractors will bid on. So we're, and, and that was part of the study. How do you apply a delivery method to the contractor scope elements? Mm -hmm. Other way to look at it, I believe, is what you just um, outlined. And that is not really necessarily a, a part of this presentation, but yes, the um, discussion on who takes asset management or asset ownership or asset responsibility of these various elements is part of the MCA conversation or the MCA conversation that we're engaged with. And you would expect that the operator would want to maintain control, they've already indicated so, on those systems required for safe operation of train, of, of transit. Um, what we're still engaged in a conversation on is what happens with the tunnel and the stations and and those other non-critical systems that are required for station operation but not safe train control that's that's a separate conversation that we're engaged in an mca and we will be bringing these items before the board when when those negotiations or those discussions have have reached that level of of um, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. point I think they're all connected now and, and all this of this body of work is, is all going to come into focus between the MCA, the delivery strategies, the contracting methodologies and things like that. So, and, and funding. And so um, it's all coming to together at a point in time in the future. <clears throat> um, I'm supportive of progressive design build in this particular situation. I've done progressive design build. And, and the, the, the sort of shortcomings of progressive design build is the discipline of the owner. Uh, in this particular case, we have a very defined scope of work to get from point A to B in a defined way to get there. It's not like saying we want to add five more miles of tunnel or 10 more stories to a building, but the failings of progressive design build when it comes to the budget and schedule has always been in my experience, the owner adding scope of work. Um, and, and in this case, I think we are all committed to making sure we get from point A to B in the most efficient and effective way possible. And so this is all, all in alignment with, with the project specifics in this particular case. <clears throat> Directors, any other questions or thoughts? Any public comment, Neela, at this item? Not seeing any members of the public uh, looking to comment on this item. Uh, Jason, would you confirm? Confirmed. 
Right. And Adam and Alfonso and Jesse, you're looking for approval from the board to proceed in this direction. Is that correct? Correct. This is an action item to select the project delivery um, option. And of course, there will be many details as we develop RFQ and RFP and other things, but this would be an action item for the board to select um, as presented today. Board and directors, are you comfortable in making a motion in a second and moving forward? Motion to approve, Shaw. Thank you, Director Shaw. Second, Thank you, Director Tumlin. Any further discussion? If not, roll call, please. All right. Director Forbes. Aye. Forbes, aye. Director John Baptiste. Aye. John Baptiste, aye. Director Lipkin. Aye. Lipkin, aye. Director Shaw. Aye. Shaw, aye. Director Tumlin. Aye. Tumlin, aye. Vice Chair Mandelman. Aye. Mandelman I and Chair G. Yes. G I as well. That uh, approves item 14. And that concludes the business before you today. Anila, thank you, directors, for your time today. Uh, Adam, I think as you reported, we're going to give the board a gift of a Thursday morning in August. So you can have that day to yourself at least that morning and we will see you at our next meeting in september which is scheduled for september we'll get my calendar uh, september 8th so everyone have a great summer have a great month and a half till we see you in september but there's a lot of work to happen in between as we get ready for entering um or matching our grant uh, for next year so everyone have a great summer we will see you in september Thank you for your time. Be well. Meeting adjourned. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Director Vanderwater.